Welcome to Shockers and Cuss Words, a podcast that dives into self-improvement, completing goals, and overcoming modern-day obstacles. I am your host, Catherine, and together we will address our fears, establish self-awareness, and complete self-growth through honesty and reflection. Remember to please like and share this podcast. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Chakras and Cuss Words. And today I have a special guest, Miss Kelsey, and we are talking about boundaries. Could you please introduce yourself and let everybody know a little bit about you? Sure. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thanks for having me. My name is Kelsey Buckholt. I am an author of a book called Strong, Calm, Confident You, which I wrote during quarantine started in March 2020 and published in March 2021, so a year later, and I have a book out in the world that has been my dream since I was a little girl, um, and I finally did it. So we can talk a little bit about that as we get into it, how I set boundaries to make that goal happen. But uh, my story is all about my journey with anxiety that for me manifested as people-pleasing and perfectionism, and then how I learned to deal with some of those issues. And as I did, I really started noticing that so many people around me, especially women, struggle with these issues. And boundaries is one of the key solutions. Uh, So that's what I'm here to talk about today. Okay. So when you decided to make a book about boundaries, you said a lot of it was based off of your like own personal, um, journey with anxiety. Do do you kind of want to share a little bit about that, about how you were going through anxiety and kind of going in that circle of how do I improve my my overall mental health and get through this? Sure. So looking back now, I think I probably had anxiety starting as a, a young kid, but didn't know it uh, or do anything about it until I was in my early 20s. So it was, you know, I I was always one of those kids. I was an overachiever. I was a perfectionist. I focused on getting good grades. I'm an only child and I wanted to please my parents. I wanted to make everyone else happy. And there were certain rules to follow. When you're in school, you know you're supposed to get good grades. You're supposed to get into college. You're supposed to get the job. Well, once I had the job, I was living with my boyfriend for the first time. We'd been together a while. He moved in with me. We moved to a new state. I got a new job at a Fortune 50 company. And I was miserable because I was so overwhelmed. And there was no rule book anymore. There was no marker of success. Nobody can give you an A in <laughs> life. And I, uh, I just overworked myself. I felt like I was trying to be this perfect employee at work. But I was also trying to be the perfect wife, the perfect friend, still be the perfect kid, even though I had moved out, moved to a new state. All of this pressure that I realized I put on myself. And that really came to a head for me when I moved into a new job at my company. It was a stretch role for me. I was really excited about it. It was something I wanted to do. I just felt like a complete imposter. And Mm -hmm. that was where my anxiety really got to be the worst. I would hold it together all day at work, where if you ask a colleague, they would have said that I was fine. Nobody knew how stressed out I was, how anxious I was all the time. But I would come home and just fully unload on my husband in Mm -hmm. tears multiple times a week. And just, you know, it almost got to the point of depression for me where I didn't want to go to work because it made me feel so inferior. And I finally decided to start seeing a therapist to figure some of that out. Uh, did that for a while before then um, being referred to a psychiatrist who then formally diagnosed me with generalized anxiety disorder and put me on an anxiety medication, which 
really made a huge difference for me in terms of my threshold for stress. You know, mm. We all experience stress and anxiety. It's part of life. Yeah. But now my threshold feels more at like a quote unquote normal level for me where I'm able to da- manage daily stressors. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel that the anxiety was related to the amount of work you were doing at work or was it more related to past uh, incidents in your past? I think it was more of my own expectations that I put on myself. Okay. I self-identify as a recovering perfectionist. It's something that I will always be working on. It's just, I'm just really hard on myself. I don't think that I had to work any harder than anybody else in reality, but I felt like I did. At a Fortune 50 company, I always, I, I tend to be one of the youngest ones, especially when I first started in the room. And uh, I had a lot of insecurity about that. So it was really my own stuff. Yeah. And you said you were a recovering perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, oh man, I, I have never been a perfectionist. Like I've always kind of been the opposite. Like, this is kind of like how I am. This is what you get. You know what I mean? Like, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, um, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Like, that's just kind of how I am. And in actuality, I think it was because I grew up, um, knowing that I wasn't perfect and I can never be perfect. Um, And just having that message being fed into me constantly that being a perfectionist or even striving for like a degree of what a perfectionist would want is something that I kind of have to work more for because I've always been felt like you know, everybody else is up here and you're kind of like in the middle, maybe even a little bit lower than the middle. So you kind of, you know, you should just be happy where you're at kind of deal. So, but I know that a lot of perfectionists have a hard time with the sense of like failure or how others perceive them. And I could imagine that must be extremely hard being young and being in a a fortunate uh, five company or, you know, corporation where you are one of the youngest people there. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting that you say that, that you're the opposite. We could probably learn a lot from each other, right? Yeah. I push myself too hard and it sounds like you probably have to ramp yourself up a little bit more. Mm Mm-hmm. But as you were talking, I was realizing that both issues, I think, are rooted in a a low self-esteem or a lack of confidence. Yes, yes. And that's, that was really what I learned was that my anxiety was all rooted in this perfectionism and people pleasing. So what you were just talking about, this need to please everybody, to be Mm -hmm. approved of, to be enough for people, to get Mm -hmm. uh, like gold stars, you know, yeah, an A plus, whatever, whatever it would be. And for me, I realized that that was all rooted in a lack of self-confidence. Yeah. And And that's, you know, what I had to work on was improving my own confidence. And that's what my book's all about, my journey to confidence, which it's not a destination. It's something that I still work on every day. My husband calls me on it all the time. He's like, didn't you write a book about that? Maybe you should read chapter seven. (laughs) Yeah. Right, but right, but girl, I think you wrote a book on that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's just funny. I I don't think I ever thought about it that way before. But just listening to you talk about the opposite of perfectionism, I think it's the same issue. Yeah, same issue of confidence. It's something that all women struggle with, and maybe the result for the issue mm-hmm. a little bit different for each of us. Yeah, definitely. So when you were going through this journey of anxiety and perfectionist um, traits where you're like, you know, I got to strive for the top. I got to do what um, is expected from me, but more, it sounds like it was more something you were putting on yourself. How did you see, like, I'm going to have to do this by making boundaries? Yeah. So like I said, my book takes you through this journey of 
how I learned to basically love myself again and recognize that I was enough already. So I did all of this inner work around loving my body again, as corny as that sounds. Like I was one of those people who um, got stuck in like a diet cycle. Never um, an eating disorder, I wouldn't say, but like some obsessive thoughts about food okay. um, and exercise. And so I had to learn to accept my body. That was one of the main things. And then caring for my mind was the second thing that was going to therapy and learning to understand my thoughts, how to combat negative thoughts and how to deal with my day-to-day stress. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing was caring for my soul, which is really about self-care. Yeah. Learning what are the things that I love to do and getting back to that and taking time for those things and not just doing what I thought other people wanted me to do. Right. I did all of that foundational work to then be able to set boundaries in my life. So once I was sort of reacquainted with who I was, Mm -hmm. you're a people pleaser, you're living by what other people want. And I had to undo all of that and go back in time and say, who is Kelsey anyway? What does she even like to do? And once I recognized that stuff, I was able to then set some boundaries to protect that. So um, there's a whole section on that at the end of my book. I think that self-love work is really important first. Mm -hmm. You have to trust yourself enough to set those boundaries to know that you may upset some people when you set boundaries. Oh, yeah. But that's okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, setting those boundaries, communicating them and reinforcing them constantly is really important. So for you, how did you start to set the boundaries? Did, because when you're setting boundaries, you really have to look at the self-awareness. Like um, I always say that my uh, mantra is self-care, self-awareness, and self-growth. Like I really think that you have to have those three main pillars before you can fully succeed in anything you're planning on doing, if it's like a goal, if it's like, you know, going back to school, if it's, you know, whatever, writing a book, obviously you had to set some firm boundaries. How, how did you start to do that? Yeah. So one of the things that I did was outline my values and my priorities. And the difference there is values are the things that matter most to you. Mm -hmm. Um, You've probably seen exercises like this in the past. If you just Google a values exercise, there are a ton that come up. But you basically look through all of these words, things like happiness, family, love, adventure, finance, security, wisdom, things like that. And you go through this list, you highlight things that feel like they matter to you, and then you group them together. And then depending on the exercise you're looking at, you'll try to group them into two or three core values. And those are the things that matter to you no matter what season you're in. Mm -hmm. So that was an important thing to do first to the point of self-awareness. And then next is priorities. And that is about looking at the different aspects of your life. So your career, your family, your relationship, your kids, your side business, your health, Mm -hmm. what finances, whatever it may be, what are those priorities for you right now? And that was really important for me to recognize that those are seasons. Priorities change. Values don't really. Maybe they do, you know, as you as you age more. Right. For the most part, I think they stay the same, but your priorities change. So in my 20s, very career focused. Now I'm getting more family focused. Mm-hmm. And that changes with time. So I think that's the, the first thing. Uh, and then I started to outline some specific rules for myself, guidelines for myself that I implemented in different areas of my life. So boundaries that I put in place at work, in my relationship at home, with friends, with family, uh, to protect the things that matter most to me. Yeah. Boundaries are really about defining what is your responsibility and what is not. Mm. And that's what people pleasers struggle with. We take everything on as our responsibility. And that's so common for women because that's what we do, right? We take responsibility for our husbands and our kids and our coworkers. And you just, you become like everybody's mom. (laughs) Yeah. You you take a lot of other people's shit and you internalize it as your own when really it's not, you know, it's, it's the other person's issue. 
And, um, and I, I will say I was, I mean, I still am somewhat of a people pleaser. Um, I don't think it ever really goes away. I think people pleasers are just very nice people (laughs) and it's hard for them to be unnice, you know, it's, but it, it is a lot of boundaries and it is a lot of doing what's right for you versus doing what's right for everybody else. So I like that you really brought that up because the people pleasing part, a lot of people go through and when you're going through it, you don't realize like, am I a people pleaser? You're just kind of going in the motion. You're like, you know, why isn't this working for me? Yeah. And that was something like I worked through in therapy so much because I realized it, but then I was like, but isn't that just being a good person? like doing nice things for other people, Mm -hmm. especially when it's your family, when it's your spouse, when it's your kids, Mm -hmm. people that you genuinely care about. I did not understand how to draw that line between doing something nice, doing the right thing, helping other people out and crossing that line into people pleasing. And that's where boundaries really helped me. I remember people talking about boundaries all the time. And it's kind of like a taboo or like a buzzword. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the heck does that even mean? And I didn't really understand it until I read the book. It's just called Boundaries. It's by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend. I don't know if you've read that one. It's kind of religion based, which Mm -hmm. I'm not a super religious person, but I think there's a lot of good wisdom in there. Mm -hmm. Um, If any of the listeners want to learn more about this, they finally explained it to me in a way that I understood. They said that you know, boundaries are about defining what is your responsibility and what is not. Mm-hmm. And they gave this great analogy, two great analogies. One is everybody carries like a handful of stones and those are your responsibilities. Everybody's got their own stones. So you mm-hmm. can't be taking on other people's stones. You don't have enough hands for them. But as you go through life, everybody goes through big boulders mm-hmm. once in a while. The loss of a loved one, a divorce, a job change, a crisis of some sort, and you can't lift a boulder alone. And that's when you need to help your people out. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was so powerful. And it's something that I think about often. Yeah. Other one that they mentioned was boundaries is like having a fence around your house. So your house is what belongs to you. What's your responsibility? And that's your own thoughts, feelings, attitudes, um, beliefs, and actions. Everybody else's stuff is outside the fence. Your fence has a gate and you can decide who to let in and out and when to let them in and out. Mm -hmm. But it's not on your property. Right. Yeah. And I thought that that was really powerful way of looking at it. Yeah, you definitely have to set boundaries with like who you let in your life, who you help. And it's always so complicated when it's like family or when it's like a loved one. And, (laughs) you know, like as um, I like how you brought up, like you were in uh, counseling and you were in therapy. You know, I always say um, there's a difference between talking to your friends And talking to a licensed professional, like a licensed professional, it's a huge difference. Um, Even your best friend, your husband, whoever, you know, it's, it's a very different um, aspect because to truly heal and truly improve, you have to have like a conversation where you're like 100% real with somebody who has no ties to you whatsoever, like, you know, they're not going to be like, no, 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 you were wrong that one time (laughs) that you were arguing with me, you know what I mean? Or no, 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 no. Well, you know, your boyfriend's a jerk and you just keep putting up with it. You have to have somebody who doesn't know you, doesn't know the whole family, doesn't know and look in and tell you how they see the situation, because it really makes a huge difference. Like I've been in and out of counseling um, since I was like 13, just um, so counseling and all that is something that has always helped me. And 
it's, it's not like something you have to do. Like, I think people think I have to go to therapy. That means I have to go there every day for the rest of my life, or I have to go there once a week for the rest of my life. And no, it's just somewhere you go when you need extra support that is not going to be like bias or not going to be, um, your family or somebody that you feel that you could be truthful with. So it, it, I think it definitely makes a huge difference for a lot of people when they do do that. So I like that you brought that up. So when you decided to start making boundaries, were you already, uh, were you already married? Like, did you, <laughs> did, were you already in your marriage or was it something before you got married, yeah, you made the boundaries? Different. I think I was married. I was definitely living with my um, my boyfriend at the time. Uh, so I was either engaged or married, like when I started this whole process, but we made it, we made it through. Right. <laughs> I'm like you, I was just listening to your recent episode and heard that you and your husband have been together since you were like 18, 19. Yeah. My husband and I are also, um, we're high school sweethearts. Aww. We've been together a long time, even though we've only been married for this year will be six years. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. um, but we've been together like something like 12. So, wow. yeah. So the years run together. It feels like we've been married for like, 20 years, <laughs> I bet. but yeah. So I, I started setting some of these boundaries. A lot of them were around work because that was where a lot of my issues were, but setting boundaries so that I had time at home with my husband, mm-hmm. um, I don't have any kids currently, and a lot of my coworkers did at the time and do have young kids. So I felt like they deserved boundaries and that I didn't Mm. was how I perceived things. And that wasn't anybody else's shit. That was mine. You know, that Mm. was my, my belief. Nobody ever made me think that or made me feel bad for leaving, you know, on time versus staying late. Right. And, um, so I had to set those boundaries. One of the things that I did was I took the morning hours, um, especially when I started writing my book. I took the morning hours. I started working from home because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And I started taking my morning hours to write my book, to fulfill this dream. And that was a hard and fast boundary, one that I set and I, I wouldn't give up. Mm-hmm. So I worked on my book from like 6 to 8 a.m. every morning. I would get ready and I would log on to work. Another boundary that I set was every day over lunch, I like to get outside and take a walk. It just gives me a mental health reset mm-hmm. and it has really made such a difference in my stress level. By the time lunchtime rolls around, you know, my to-do list is growing. I haven't crossed anything off. I'm stressed out. Maybe I'm thinking, oh, I don't have time to go do that. Without fail, every time I go take that walk, Mm-hmm. so much better when I come back and I can look at things more clearly that's another thing that I fiercely protect and I'll tell you I was working with a new agency partner and they tried to schedule a lunch meeting with me and I had a decision at that point it wasn't their fault that they wanted to have a lunch meeting they didn't know it's a boundary for me so it was on me to communicate that and so I just told them up front I said look I fiercely protect my lunch hour. It's the only time I take for me throughout the day. I like to get something to eat and take a walk. Can we meet later? And they said, oh my God, of course. And then they knew moving forward that that was a boundary. So rather than me just declining the meeting, I actually verbalized the boundary. Mm -hmm. It's really important. You don't have to do it over and over and over. People get it. And then people also think, oh, wow, I should do that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 definitely. So I think when women are like, okay, I need to set boundaries, like they kind of get into this area where they start to feel like a little fearful, like, because they think, is this going to change me? Am I going to be like this new person where all of a sudden it's like, you come home and you're like, honey, I'm home and I have all these fucking boundaries now and guess what? I'm a totally different person, but in actuality, it's not like that. So did your husband or your slut or the people who are closest to you, did they notice a difference when you started to set the boundaries? Yeah, I think um, my husband for sure would have noticed that 
I was less overwhelmed and I started being a lot more happy. But I think the other thing that happened was I had to set some boundaries with him too. And that can be really scary in a relationship. I think as women, we often have this like perception of what marriage is supposed to be, what a wife is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize that I was doing it. My therapist pointed it out to me. I was all stressed out about work. And then I was rushing home from work to make dinner to, um, our dog goes to a doggy daycare. And so like, I was rushing to go pick up the dog. Right. Yeah. Our furry child. And then I was making dinner and I took care of all the cleaning and I wanted to make sure we had stuff to do on the weekend and planning our vacations. Like I did everything and never asked him to help me because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. That's how I grew up. That's what my mom did. She did everything. She still does. Mm-hmm. And my therapist was like, does Chris ask you to do any of those things? And I think we were talking about dinner specifically. And I was like, no, actually, come to think of it, he does not. He was like, have you ever asked him if he cares about having dinner on the table at 7 p.m. sharp? It's like, no, I just kind of assumed that, that was what I was supposed to do. So we had an honest conversation about it. And he was like, I don't give a shit. He was like, my mom didn't cook for me growing up. She was a single mom that worked crazy hours. We ate cereal half the time. Like, I'll get McDonald's. We can have leftovers. I don't care. Also, I can help. I'm not a moron. You just have to tell me what to make. Yeah. And so that was a turning point for me where I realized my marriage didn't have to look like my parents. It didn't have to look like my friends. It was ours. And so I started doing things to make it easier on myself. I realized I didn't want to have McDonald's several times a night because health was important to me. Right. So I realized I did want to keep ownership of setting our menu and doing the grocery shopping. Although he now does the grocery shopping. That's been a great one, but I make the list and stuff. I decide what we're going to have. We talk about it sometimes. Yeah. Um, But I set that. And then if I need help, if I'm running late from work or I'm stressed out, I just ask him to start dinner. Yeah. And he will do that. He may need some instruction, which can be frustrating for us as women, but you have to find ways to make it easier for them. So like I have all of my recipes in a book. I'm like, it's on page 12, leave that open or leave all the, all the stuff out, just make it easier for them. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I had to do that was really important was to let go of his reaction to being asked Mm -hmm. because I realized some days he'd be like, yeah, sure. Some days he had a bad day too. And I didn't know it yet. And he may be like, oh, fine. But then he would do it. <laughs> you like, if I have to, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but like, we all act like that sometimes. And I had to, I had to recognize that it was, a, he was allowed to have a bad day too. Yes. If we both had a bad day, one of us was going to have to make dinner and he agreed to, and he might not be happy about it, but he was going to do it. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. One of us was going to be huffing and puffing around the kitchen. It can be him on Monday. It'll be me on Tuesday. And just like letting that go. Because the old me would have been like, fine, you can't, you know, you can't help me because you're pissed off about it. I'll just, I'll just do it. No, let them, you know, that's the thing about boundaries is you may upset people. They may not like it. Yeah. That's okay. And yeah. And for women, it's definitely that huge, like, I need to do all this stuff. And when does the list end? And I, and you know, you work like the nine to five or the, you know, whatever, and the Monday through Friday. And like, I'm working, like I work three days, I work four days a week, but they're like 12 hour shifts. So like, there's no way I'm cooking dinner when I get home at like eight o'clock. But I always, you know, wonder like, is that, um, working the five days a week, more able to, you know, do more things. So that's like something that I've been kind of thinking about too, is kind of repositioning myself in an area where I have a better life balance, where maybe I'm not working 12 hour shifts and just working the eight hour shifts. So, but then it's like when people set these boundaries, it's like almost comes so unexpected because it's like, Oh, you mean, 
you value your time more at home versus then going to work and, you know, doing all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, I would rather be at home and puffing and puffing around my kitchen pissed off that I got to cook dinner. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it's like we're we're stressed at work because we want to be home. Like, yeah, you get stressed out about the amount of work that you have. But then when you're when you're at home, you're stressed and you're bringing that negative energy. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's, it's definitely good to set the boundaries. When you started setting boundaries, did you have like certain boundaries that you're like, okay, I need to stop doing this or I need to implement this. How did you do it? Did you do the takeaway, the elimination of certain things, or did you start to add new things in? I think a little bit of both. Um, Like things like stopping work after a certain time or I added the walk to my day Mm -hmm. I think it's it's different for each person I'm very goal oriented so I knew like if I wrote that stuff down or if I committed myself to that that I would do it Um, but I think you have to look at where are you feeling that negative emotion like in what place for me, it started at work, right? So I knew I had to set some boundaries around that. So and then what? I realized I was feeling it at home. And I needed some boundaries around home. So I think, like, start small. Don't try to set all the boundaries at once. I think notice one place where you're feeling uncomfortable, you know, anxious or upset or overwhelmed. Because that's where you need a boundary. Those places where you're feeling uncomfortable that's where you most need a boundary. And I would say start with one small step that you can make. Yeah. So, so when you started your boundaries and started implementing them, like, did you feel like, okay, I got this figured out. I'm starting boundaries. I got the boundaries down. I'm doing them. It's working. And then when people started to kind of, because everybody's going to push on people's boundaries like that's just the way of life it's you know people are gonna how did you know your boundaries were firm that's a good question I don't I don't know that they are okay (laughs) you're like I I don't know that they are I think you have to keep communicating them yeah because they can only be firm with the people who know about them or the more you reinforce them. Like your boundaries are going to be challenged every day. There's always going to be something else that I can do at 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. But instead I decide to go take a walk. Yeah. Definitely. Making that consistent choice. So I guess, I guess they're firm in that I've made that habit for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of like how long I've been doing it. I think, I don't know, it takes 21 days to build a habit, something like that. But it was just something that I noticed that I like doing. Boundaries should feel good. Yeah. So you'll want to do them. Once you set it and you have a good, not a good reaction, because people at first may not like it, but then you're going to feel better after you honor that boundary and what's true to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It makes you want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like how you established the 21 days um, makes like a habit. So that's a huge, huge thing with boundaries because boundaries can become habits. Like, you know, I'm not going to break my fitness routine or I'm not going to break my um, journey on this. That's a boundary. And I've done it for so long that it's now turned into a habit. So it's like a something that I do where it's like, okay, this isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, other parts around me might change, but this habit isn't going to change. It's, you know, like getting up and taking a shower. You know, some days you might not be able to get up right away and take a shower, but hopefully eventually you might want to, <laughs> you know, so you build that habit. I think about staying focused on your why too yes you setting that boundary yes because and things are going to change like you were mm-hmm. talking about your work schedule if your work schedule changes your everything around it is going to have to change and that just happened to me we went back to work in the office two days a week 
So now I have to shift my, what, what do my mornings look like now? What do my afternoons look like? How am I going to get that walk or that same sort of feeling in the office? I'm still figuring that out. You just so, have to stay focused on why you're doing this. Yeah. So why am I doing this? Why am I working towards this? How is this helping me? Um, so when you started to do your boundaries, what made you decide to write a book where you're like, I got this figured out. Like I now feel like I can show other people how to make boundaries or was it some, something else? Like what inspired you to write a book? I think it was a mixture of pandemic. Of the, pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic does everything. <laughs> so I, we started working from home and I, I love my job. I love what I do in my nine to five, but I've also always loved to write. And I've always had this Instagram profile where I kind of talked about mental health. And then I have a blog, but I always like, I don't know, every, every new year I'm like, I'm going to blog every month. And then I don't. So I started working from home. I had this like pull on my heart is how I describe it. Like I just had this like unsettled feeling that I was supposed to be doing something else with my time. And I was like, oh my God, do I need to quit my job? I'm not satisfied. Like what's going on? And then like, I was doing a lot of meditation and journaling and like soul searching. And at one point it just hit me. I was like, oh my God, it's time to, it's time to write my book. And to be perfectly honest, I did not know what I was going to write about. I have started and stopped writing a book several times. I used to write fiction when I was younger. I got really into self-help through my anxiety journey, Mm -hmm. personal development and self-help books. So I had started a self-help book. I've outlined quite a few. I've toyed with different ideas. But I wasn't sure what I wanted to write about. I knew I was passionate about mental health, that it would probably be something related to my anxiety, but I didn't know how to organize it. So I actually hired a writing coach who um, talked me through the process of writing a book. She happened to be writing a book at the same time. Um, She's actually a career coach because I thought, oh, my God, do I need to quit my job? So I hired a career coach who was also writing a book. And she helped me through this process. And again, I meditated on it. And this idea for the book came to me. And the subtitle of the book is How to Stop the Endless Cycle of Pleasing, Perfecting, and Performing. And the idea for that really came in my anxiety journey and reflecting back on that of how far I had come and recognizing that I saw women around me struggling with the same things. And especially as we went into the pandemic, everyone started experiencing anxiety. I started to notice like, man, everybody around me feels like I've felt my whole life. I can help these people. (laughs) I know how to be anxious. I know how to fix that. So I know this feeling. (laughs) Yeah. So, and for a lot of people, that was the first time they felt like that. And so I started to write down my journey um, to be able to help people build that confidence, set those boundaries, and live a more authentic and happy life on their own terms is really what it's all about. Yeah, I definitely think so. And that takes a lot of discipline to write a book. I mean, I couldn't imagine writing a book feeling like, okay, I have to prioritize this into my everyday So I can have it out or, you know, successfully complete it. So that's really amazing. And has it helped you with your anxiety, getting the book out and setting the boundaries? I think so. Um, It was, it was also really anxiety producing because that was me putting my heart and soul out there. It's very personal. I have coworkers who have seen and read the book. There are stories about work in it. Everything's anonymous. Like, I don't talk about <laughs> You're like, Sue with the long hair. Fuck yeah, you. <laughs> long hair broke all of my boundaries. She's like, I knew she tipped over my plants. Right? No, but I did have a, I had a coworker call me and he said, oh my God, I have like 10 pages left of your book. I'm loving it. He was like, I am dying to know who chapter eight is about, but I would never ask you. <laughs> That is hilarious. You're like, really? Well, who do you like? It's not you. Don't worry. (laughs) How do you know it wasn't you, buddy? (laughs) That's funny. It It was totally you. 
<laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, it's such a fine line too with work and uh, people who are like reading about you or following you. Like it, it's such a fine line because. Um, but it was also really freeing once I once I did it. Like I remember. So I have this separate Instagram and I also have like my personal Facebook and stuff. And I had started to share some of my mental health journey, but mostly with strangers. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really connect the two. And the first time that I posted on my Facebook about my book and about my journey with anxiety and how I was going to be writing this book about it, I was terrified Mm -hmm. of what, I don't know, of just like people knowing my truth. And that's, that's the stigma. But as soon as I did it, I started to get amazing messages of people who are dealing with the same things, of people who were proud of me for sharing, of people who it resonated with. And that really fueled me throughout the process of writing the book. And Mm -hmm. then now that the book's out there, that's what it's all about for me, is hearing from people that it helps, that they relate to it. That, for me, is why I wanted to do it and um, why it's been so Oh, that's great. What would you say was the hardest part about making the boundaries? I think it's letting go of other people's reactions Mm -hmm. is the hardest thing. That's a question that I hear a lot. You know, how do I set a boundary without upsetting somebody else? The answer is you don't. Mm -hmm. It's your boundary, not theirs. And that is really hard. It can be really, really hard. Um, I think that is the most difficult piece. And again, I'd really recommend that book, Boundaries by Doctors Cloud and Townsend. They talk about that a lot. And uh, that helped me a ton. I also recommend my book, of course. But there's a lot of inspiration from that book by those two doctors. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's a constant practice. Yeah. So if you were to meet somebody who was kind of in the area that you were in where they were struggling with anxiety, struggling with making boundaries, and they were that people pleaser, they were that perfectionist, they were just trying to overperform in everything they do. And if you saw them, I mean, and they asked you for help. What, like, what would be the first thing you would tell them they have to do? Yeah. Um, I think that the first thing, and this is a, not a cop out of your question, but to get into therapy. Mm-hmm. I think it is so important. I know you talked about that a little bit earlier, but having that objective third party who can look mm-hmm. at your life from a different viewpoint will not judge you but who can see patterns that you cannot see right that is so transformational and I would say you don't have to go on this journey alone so I think that's the first thing to give a more like practical something that people could do today Mm -hmm. I have a three-step self-care guide Um, it's a freebie on my website so if people want to dm me on instagram I can send that to them but it's really simple three steps First is to check in with yourself. Ask yourself how you're feeling. Quote unquote negative emotion, something like you're feeling anxious or fearful, sad, angry. The next step is to allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling in whatever way feels right to you. Um, You know, if I'm feeling anxious or upset, a lot of times I just need a good cry. I think sometimes we just try to, we try to hold those tears back. Sometimes you just got to let those out. And what I do is I'll set like a 10 minute timer and allow myself to be sad for 10 minutes. And then when that timer goes off, step three, excuse me, is to apply self-care. Step three is to apply self-care. And I have this six, these six categories of self-care in my guide. and what you do is outline activities that give you each of those six categories. So it's things like rest, distraction, refresh, 
um, connection. It's figuring out what things work for you when you need those different six aspects of self-care. Mm-hmm. So I have my menu in there of the things that work for me. And then there's a blank template for you to try out activities on your own. And that has really helped me. It's something that I try to do every day. I don't always, I'll be honest, but something that I am constantly trying to get better at. Something that I'd like to do at the end of my work day. I know that's my biggest stressor. So when I'm either getting home from work or logging off of work, if I'm working from home, I'll just take a couple of minutes to check in with myself and then ask myself, okay, what do I need to feel a little bit better right now? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good practice because it gets at that piece of awareness of noticing your emotions. Cause a lot of times we don't notice them until we're at that level of burnout. Mm-hmm. So it's noticing your emotions, learning to feel them and then learning to cope with them. Yeah, definitely. A lot of us, yeah, you're right. A lot of us do not notice um, the emotions until we do get to the level where we want to like get a little snappy or get into a full argument (laughs) or, you know, whatever it is that we do. But um, what conflict would you say is the biggest with relationships and setting boundaries? I I think, I mean, the biggest thing for me was around letting go of the reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that can be a big source of conflict for people. I think as women, we often take on all of those responsibilities and we're stressed about them. And what we don't realize is we're taking on that role of a martyr. And I think what you were just hinting at, like we get a little snappy or snippy. Mm-hmm. You know, we are easily tempered. Or like we talked about, I would like puff and puff around the kitchen. I'm slamming cabinets while making dinner. And we think we're being like, you know, Mother Teresa taking care of the family. But we're being a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that causes a lot of conflict. Like when you, when you don't set boundaries, mm-hmm. your emotions take over and that can create a lot of conflict. Um, so I think, I, I think you really have to be more in touch with your emotions and communicate with your partner about how you're feeling. So I've gotten a lot better about letting my husband know when I'm feeling really anxious or overwhelmed. And then he can more proactively be like, okay, how can I help? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hope that people listening have a partner like that, but don't assume, don't assume that you don't have those conversations, right? um, have those tough conversations and ask for help. You've got to learn to ask for help. We don't have to do everything alone. We don't have to do all things and be all things to all people. Right. And, and I think with relationships, what a lot of times sometimes happens is especially like the relationship is taking place and then they have this establishment where one partner, not necessarily the woman or the man, but you know, one of the partners in the relationship has not set the boundaries and then it's now starting to affect that person. And they're like, well, this is now affecting me in the way that is not healthy for me. So I now have to set boundaries. And then the other person is like, well, that's what I kind of liked about you was you didn't have these boundaries. You know, you made me feel like it was okay what I was doing, or it was okay that you are the only one who goes grocery shopping, or it was okay that I was out all night. And then when I come home, you're already asleep and I don't have to tell you where I've been. So now that you're setting this, these boundaries, I don't know if I like it. So I think a lot of times when we're in relationships, when we start to set the boundaries and do almost the takeaway of what was accepted is now no longer accepted. It's really hard for the other person if that was something that they liked about the relationship to um, 
accept. So it is their reaction. How are they going to react from this? And in actuality, it's, it's, it's the person who's accepting what they've accepted. And if that's what is no longer serving them, then they have to let it go. And I, I know with a lot of women, that is the hardest part is now I'm changing something about me that my spouse has already accepted. It may be something he freaking loves about me. You know, the fact that I'm not, you know, asking him to do these things or I'm not questioning him about this, but now it's going to change. And I think that's a real get true with yourself moment. And, you know, and it also kind of establishes what you've already accepted. And if you're going to continue to accept that, it's not building your self-worth, you know, so it's definitely hard. I think that's also a great reminder of why it's so important to communicate your boundaries. Oh, yeah. What often happens to women or anybody setting a boundary Mm -hmm. is you reach that like tipping point and then you set Mm -hmm. all the boundaries. Right. That's when you, you know, you're like, that's it. I'm going out for a girl's night. And you're, you know, you're just gone. Yeah. No notice. Like, I need a break. I'm getting out of here. Or you, you know, you leave the house Uh in a flurry because you're pissed off. Like you have to communicate those boundaries because Mm -hmm. your spouse does not know. They're not a mind reader. I think it's very important to sit down and say, here is the boundary that I'm going to be setting and why. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to take more time for myself. I've been very stressed out. I've been dealing with X, Y, Z. I'd like to start taking a girl's night once a month. Yeah. And having that open conversation with them. How yeah. can we make that work? Yeah. And, and maybe that's an invitation for them to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, I'd love to go fishing with the guys once a month. Like maybe we do that on the same day. I go with the guys, you go with the girls and that would help. Right. Them. It's, it's definitely a balance. Like you don't want to be, um, setting all the boundaries, like setting all the boundaries, right. Like, right. Okay. Hi, nice to meet you. Here's all my boundaries. (laughs) Don't push me, buddy. (laughs) But you want them to kind of know like what is acceptable, you know, in the relationship versus, you know, what is going to make this bridge where it's not going to really grow and the relationship's going to like be like, Oh, it's not working, you know? And so definitely, I think as people get to know each other and setting those, you know, small boundaries, like this is what I enjoy about you versus this is what I feel like I need to work on on my own personal, you know, self. It's definitely challenging and stuff like that in work too there's a lot of boundaries with work yeah and family dynamics as well yeah did you when you set the boundaries uh did you have a hard time setting the boundaries with your family not necessarily your relationship yeah yeah for sure um I'm an only child like I said so I'm very close to my parents, um, and I really struggled with that when I moved to a new state. I struggled with when we would go home to visit. So my husband and I are high school sweethearts. So when we go home to visit our families, both of our families live in the same town, which has its benefits, but also has its cons, uh, and also all of our friends. Not all of them. We have some in, we're in New Jersey now. We grew up in Pennsylvania. So we have friends in New Jersey now. We've been here a long time. We also have a lot of friends still in Pennsylvania. So if we go home for a normal weekend, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it is insane trying to see all the people and do all the things. And no matter what I did in the beginning of this journey before setting boundaries, when we pulled out of my parents' driveway on Sunday to come back to New Jersey, I felt so guilty. I never felt like I did enough. Never. And it would just be these little side comments of like, oh, did you go say goodbye to your grandpa? I'm like, no, that was the one thing I didn't do. Let me go say goodbye to my grandpa. Oh my God. And it was just <laughs> like, the list goes on. And on. <laughs> it was just like, I could never do enough. Mm-hmm. 
And again, it was, it was me putting that pressure on myself. Like, yes, there were little comments, but like once my mom, for example, recognized how stressed that made me, she would make a conscious effort to be like, you know, we, we get it. We know that you have a lot of stuff to do when you come home. We love to see you, but we don't want to put pressure on you. Mm -hmm. Um, And she always tried to like reinforce that. And so I knew it was, it was on me. Right. So I had to start setting some boundaries. Like I used to, I can remember coming home for a weekend and um, my husband and I usually stay at my parents' house. They have more room and he would go and see friends and stuff. And I would stay at my parents' house the whole time. I would like try to be the kid living in their house again, like just sitting on their couch all weekend. Mm. (laughs) They were like, this is 15 again. Yeah. And, you know, then I realized they had stuff to do too. Like, yeah, they're like, my mom had errands to run and my dad would go out and work in the garage. And Mm -hmm. I, I realized like, it would be better if I spent more intentional time with them, like planned out, um, you know, a dinner or something that we were all going to have mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. that we could really catch up and spend time together rather than spending like 10 hours watching TV on their couch, you know, not really spending time together, spending more intentional time mm-hmm. and then communicating to them who else we were trying to see. So just being upfront about that schedule. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely tough for me um, because I am so close with them, but I think I've made some good strides there. And now when I'm at home um, visiting family and friends, I just, I do what I want to do. I go see who I want to see. um, And I try my best to to feel that guilt. Yeah. To see, to see who you can and who you can't. Yeah. Um, that's you know the the boundaries with the family is always so hard because the family dynamics and especially you know almost like parents and I'm a parent so it's almost like the you know to the to the kids you know like you would be a kid you know you owe me (laughs) I'm your mom I raised you I know what's best (laughs) owe me like you owe me this to see me to see you know and for a long time when I because my dad and me are extremely we're close but we also have a relationship where it's um kind of I needed to set a lot of boundaries with that relationship and there was one time when the pandemic hit because I'm an emergency room nurse he was, you know, wanted me to quit my job as an emergency room nurse so I don't get COVID. And it's like, Dad, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to quit my job. And this part. Uh, I have to work. I do, you know, somewhat enjoy what I'm doing. You know, like, yes, I'm nervous. I might get COVID, but um, I can't just quit my job. And it was then turned in, well, if you can't quit and you can't listen to me, then you need to call me every night. And it's like, what the fuck? I'm not, I'm like 43 years old. I'm not calling you every night. Uh, uh, You know, so it's like very, I know, I know people send those boundaries with the parents is hard. And it is, it is. is. It's all reversal because they set all the rules growing up and as an adult. You have to set your own rules. Yes, it's like and that's not happening anymore. <laughs> the big one for people is holidays. Yes. Um, so, I mean, we struggle with that, like trying to go to all the houses and see all the people and, uh, you know, appease everybody on the holidays. And my mom shared a story with me about when I was a baby, um, you know, my grandma used to come and do Christmas morning with them and would wash me open gifts and all that stuff. And when I got older, they got to a point where they wanted to have the holiday at home by themselves. Mm. They wanted to have that special time. And then they were going to go to my grandma's house for, you know, dinner later. Mm. And so she had to set that boundary. And she told me, she was like, my mom was pissed. She was yeah. like, she wanted to come watch you open your presents. And 
we just had to set that boundary. We said, no, we want this time to ourselves. She's only going to be little for so long. And we want these memories of just the three of us. And then we're going to come see you. She'll open all your gifts. You still get to have that time, but we want this special time of our own too. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. Um, Yeah. The holidays is, oh, the holidays is always challenging for a lot of people to be a happy time and it's so it It is but (laughs) yeah the the holidays it really is actually it's supposed to be a happy time but um that's a lot of time we have a lot of crisis in the er a lot of um, mental health issues really come to light uh a lot of family dynamics a lot of um stress a lot of stress on the holidays and it's, it's, it's very sad because it should be a time of, um, gratitude and, and, you know, spending it with your loved ones and appreciating it, but it's turned into this huge production of how, how much do we value others versus how much do we value ourselves? And we do have to set the boundaries like, Hey, I just can't come to your house or I just can't get you a present and you know, it is what it is. And if you really love me, you'll just be happy to see me. Hey, (laughs) you know, and, and that's what it is, you know, but a lot of us put a lot of projection that society has told us that we need to do all this and do all this and do more of this. So much pressure on like one day, so much pressure on one day, like the wedding day, you know, everybody's so hyped up about the wedding day and, and the honeymoon and all that. And it's just one moment. You guys have the rest of your lives, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's crazy. The stuff that we let affect us, you know, just one day, but it happens. And, you know, and when you wrote your book, did you read, did you write it? Did you have like a certain person in mind were you writing it almost like for yourself or were you writing it who did you envision would read your book and be like I get it I get it I I now know what I need to do Mm -hmm. I think it, it was partially my younger self and I also had my mom in my mind when I was writing this because I saw a lot of it in her um she, she grew up with a stay-at-home mom, so she was one of the first women in her family to work outside the home. She's a, a Gen X, or probably same as you, Gen X? Gen X? Yeah. I think I'm a Gen X, yeah. yeah. I think I, I think that's what my sister, my sister yeah. knows all these terms. I just She's know. a nurse, too. She's um, a nurse, too? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So probably. And, like, you know, I think all you nurses are people pleasers. You must be, because you care oh. so much. Definitely. It's, it's yeah. part of the, it's part of the profession. She's like a, she's like yeah. a professional caregiver, literally and figuratively. So she, right. she went to nursing school and has been a nurse all her life, but she also, you know, she took care of me as a kid, mm-hmm. obviously. And then also her brother has cerebral palsy. Mm. So growing up, she always helped take care of him and she knew when they got older, that she would take him in. And so he and my grandmother moved in with us when I was probably like 10 or 12, something like that. So, you know, she, she had to grow up really fast and she didn't have, um, a traditional marriage, you know, because they were married for maybe like 10 years before the rest of our family moved in. Mm. Um, but they, you know, her and my dad did that without question. And that's not to say that that was people pleasing. That was what they had to do. And that was something that she always knew she would do. Mm-hmm. But I think as a result of the way she grew up, I think she takes a lot of responsibility for people, mm-hmm. um, for everybody else's emotions. And she, she does all of those things that I was talking about. You know, she, she works that full-time job, but she's also basically a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home caregiver. She does it all. Yeah. And I wanted her to read it and to realize that he was already enough. 
and that we loved her for who she was, who she is, not for all the things that she does for us. Yeah. So what would you like to close out with for everybody who is learning to stop being a people pleaser and stop being a um, perfectionist? Good question. I think, I think the most important thing is that self-awareness. So I think recognizing if you have some of those tendencies towards people pleasing and perfectionism and tapping into your emotions more, recognizing your emotions more. Because like we talked about, these issues can lead to burnout if you're not aware of them and if you're not staying in tune with your emotions over time. So I would recommend that people try that self-care check-in, that daily check-in, just asking yourself how you're feeling at the end of the day, allowing yourself to feel it, and then asking yourself what you need to shift into a more positive mindset or vibration. I think that is really the key um, to starting to recognize and understand some of these patterns that then you can set boundaries that are going to make you feel better and live a more authentic and happy life. Awesome. I love that. So tell everybody, how can they find you? How can they get your book? Where, where is it at? Like, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. So I am on Instagram and Facebook at Strong Calm Kelsey. And my book is called Strong Calm Confident You. And it's available on Amazon in Kindle and print version. I'd love for people to reach out if they're interested in the self-care guide send me a DM on Instagram or on Facebook and I will get that sent over to you. This has been so much fun, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I will put all the show, um, all your links and all of that is going to be in the show notes. And I just send you a link to the book for ease. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I just want to thank everybody for listening to Chakra's and cuss words. And I hope you guys all have an amazing day. And thank you so much.